Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, here on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're right on the cusp, the cusp of the coming of Christ as we celebrate his coming. And all this next week, of course, we're making those final preparations for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever that Christmas season might look for you as family and friends gather Throughout the Advent season together as a church, we've been looking at the Advent postures of some of those first people who were caught up in the coming of the Messiah. And we've been observing how these holy people have responded and we've been invited to imitate their posture as we think of our own Advent preparation. With Zechariah and Elizabeth, we were invited into a posture of silence and solitude as God announces his surprising work among us. From Mary, we were challenged to adopt a posture of willing submission to the word of God to us and in us. And then through Simeon and Anna, we were invited into faithful expectation as we watch and wait with anticipation for all that God will do. And today we're going to explore that posture of one more uh, faithful saint present at the advent of Jesus in a way that's both powerfully inspiring as well as deeply challenging. Today we're going to look at the father who adopted Jesus, Joseph himself, and his posture of obedience in obscurity. You know, Joseph is an intriguing character. If you read the story, because for all of his centrality, you know, he's at it. He's in every manger scene. There he is. (laughs) His voice is actually never heard in the story as we read it. His actions speak of his utter faithfulness, but Joseph is never profiled with any dialogue as many of the other central characters in the Advent narratives are. He receives explicit direction, what he's supposed to do, but it's given to him in a way that has some ambiguity. He obeys, and yet it's rarely noticed. And as such, Joseph, in his posture, challenges me personally. His posture of obedience to God's word and God's ways, even when no one notices. Because if we're honest, or at least... Most of us, we do like to know that people know that we're doing what's right, don't we? We kind of don't like it when our good intentions or our faithful service is ignored. We certainly don't want our faithfulness maligned in any way or misunderstood. But Joseph lived out his obedience to God in ways that were exactly like that, not only unnoticed, but possibly misunderstood, and I suspect even maligned. And what a challenge that is to me. Will I be faithful when no one sees? 
Will I remain obedient when my very obedience is misunderstood and maybe looked down on? Well, that's the story of Joseph. Let's ready ourselves for a moment and then hear the story. Holy Spirit, would you lead us now as we receive this story? May we be inspired to respond to you as Joseph did. We pray this in the name of our Messiah. Amen. Here it is, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. I'm reading from the New International Version. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We've heard that story already, haven't we? Cheryl looked at it a couple weeks ago, and that's profiled in Luke. Big part of Luke's story. Here, we just get this line. It happened. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Did you see what I saw? Did you hear what I heard? Should we sing it together? Joseph is a man of obedient action. And his advent posture challenges me. I hope challenges you. But let's notice three things from the story as we move toward our posture. Uh, The first thing is that like all the central characters that we've explored throughout Advent, Joseph is a faithful Jewish man, keeping God's Torah and living according to God's ways. And we saw that all the way through, particularly as we looked at the the Luke stories, that faithfulness was an important way. Righteousness was how these people were identified. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Anna, Simeon, as well as Mary. And in this story, we're not just told that Joseph is righteous. We see it lived out. That Joseph is a man whose righteousness was not just expressed in obedience to God and his law, but also in his love and care for others. In Joseph, in fact, we see that when the true God is at the center of someone's life, the way they treat others aligns with God's loving character. How do we see that here? Well, actually, we see it in how he responds to the shameful, devastating news that his betrothed wife is pregnant. Rather than seeking damages and exp- or exploding with anger, Joseph's instinct here is to shield Mary from public shame. 
Rather than defending his integrity and acting publicly, I was just, I want everyone to know I had nothing to do with that. You know. He decides to end his legal betrothal quietly. Don't glance over this. That's very significant in that culture. And it tells us something about the character of this man that God chose to be the adopted father and protector of his very own son. Joseph was a faithful, kind man. The second thing we see in the story, and then continuing in the next uh, chapter of Matthew, is how God directed Joseph. And it's not an easy method. I don't think it's as easy as we sometimes think. You know, Zechariah, Mary, they got angels in broad daylight. You know, they're like snacking down on lunch, and there's an angel. A little hard to ignore. A little hard to dismiss. Everyone sort of has heard it and saw it, maybe. But, you know, it's right there. Joseph only gets direction through angels in his dreams. Thought about that? Simeon, he had some revelation by the Holy Spirit. Joseph wakes up in the morning and goes, what? He has to choose to be obedient to an angel that appeared to him while he was sleeping. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have been harder for me to believe. Anyone with me? Easier to question, wonder. And yes, it's true that Joseph would have had a worldview that allowed for dreams to be a method of communication a lot more easily than perhaps you and I. But remember what he's being told. You're betrothed, who you've not been with. You're betrothed, but now pregnant wife. She's having God's kid. I mean, wow, can I get a little bit more than my dreams, please? A little more solid confirmation. But when Joseph wakes up, he doesn't hesitate at all. He does exactly what the angel told him in his dream, and he marries pregnant Mary. And it would seem that this mode of communication is really working for Joseph, or at least God thinks so. So three more times in the next chapter in Matthew, Joseph is given direction through angels in dreams. It seems to be the only way they decide Joseph can hear him. I'm not sure. But it's direction that he immediately obeys every time, all so that God's Messiah, baby Jesus, could be protected from evil powers that would seek to destroy him. You can follow up with that yourself in Matthew chapter 2. A prompt, obedient response from a faithful, kind man. The third thing I want you to notice, I've already noted. And that's how, in the story, and this is how literature works, and this is how the Bible works. His actions speak louder than his words because, in fact, we only see his actions. We never hear his words. Joseph just obeys. And we can miss. I mean, he's quick. He's on it. Apparently, no hesitation at all. We can miss how costly or how challenging, how decentering this obedience would have been for him. Joseph, like Mary, had plans, had dreams, had a business, had a sense of what life under God looked like and would look like in the years to come. And in a single dream, his whole life takes a radically unexpected term, turn term too. 
We often contemplate on uh, how much this would have reoriented Mary's life, and we should contemplate that. But I want you to consider today Joseph, this faithful, Torah-observant, gentle man of God who's just been caught up in God's plan of salvation in a way that he never could have anticipated. Joseph is now called to express his faithfulness in obedience to God's word. Come to them. God's very act of salvation through the incarnation. And he has his whole life just turned a different way. His obedience to God meant that all his plans, all his dreams, everything he thought his life would be like just gone. Mary, Mary, adopt Jesus. Oh, and uh, get, this is the next chapter. Uh, get up in the middle of the night and escape into Egypt because a wicked king wants to kill Jesus and he's such a tyrant that he then proceeds to massacre all the other babies in the region around Jesus just to prove his point. That was through a dream. And then, oh, you can go back home now, also through a dream. Move back from Egypt. Oh, but don't go home because it's too dangerous there. Go up north where it's safer. I mean, G- Joseph's life was never his again. Never. It belonged to God. And it was given in service to his young wife and her baby boy. When God sent his own son, vulnerable, weak, and exposed into this evil world, he recruited this faithful man, Joseph, to play an active yet silent part. A supporting role of humble obedience. Joseph had to decenter himself or let himself be decentered, however you want to look at it, for the sake of the one who is at the very center of the story, Jesus the Messiah. And I wonder how this posture of Joseph moves you, me, to consider our Advent posture. I wonder how Joseph might inspire us to respond to God's work among us moving forward. Because one of the most difficult ways that God calls us to be faithful is in those places that we didn't choose for ourselves. Oh, maybe way back when we did, but we find ourselves in a place in life where it feels like this is it. This is not what I'd hoped for. This is not what I'd planned. And yet this is the place I'm in. And God has called me to be faithful here. Those places where our plans have been diverted And maybe very few even see your faithfulness. It's hard to be obedient in obscurity. Where few see your work, perhaps no one rewards your effort. Very few laud your commitment or understand your perseverance. It's hard to remain faithful when the watching world and sometimes even those who are closest to us aren't able to understand our obedience. Who think, in fact, you look a little crazy. Because you kind of do. Or shameful. Or extreme. You know, just calm down a little, please. Much like those around must have looked at Joseph and said, you're still marrying her, Joe? A dream? Really? Pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Come on! Can you imagine? Who believed him? Nobody, I'm sure. The guy's lost his mind. Come on, anyone with me? I mean, 
you're Joseph's cousin and you hear the story and you think, oh, right. That kid's half Roman is what you're thinking. No, I'm serious. You've been fooling around with one of the local boys. No one would have applauded him. Oh, way to go. We think, yeah, that, what a great caring man. They're like, what a crazy man. He just gave it up. Lost his dignity. What is he doing? He's obedient and faithful, even when the people around him couldn't understand. And could it be that our final Advent posture here on the fourth Sunday of Advent, could it be a posture of obedience in obscurity? Where we, like Joseph, choose to live faithfully, to love sacrificially, to serve humbly and to obey unconditionally with the years that God has given us and then die in deference to God alone, regardless of the cost. Can that even be an Advent posture? I mean, maybe we need to back up a little bit here and simply say this. Can we, like Joseph, let God's word to us, God's work among us, actually become the very center of our lives? We look at Joseph's life and we realize that just like Joseph, we are called to live a life where God is central and can we say it together? We are not. God is central. We are not. And that's what Joseph is challenging us with. Where I revolve around God's world. He doesn't revolve around mine. Ooh, ouch. I like a God that revolves around my world. Thank you very much. Don't you? Isn't that what we're all looking for? Joseph challenges me to posture around a new center. To let my world be tilted by Jesus himself. To recognize the ways and places where I've consistently placed myself at the center of all things. And I'm kind of upset that you don't recognize that. Or at least the people in my life don't. (laughs) Because if we're all striving to be at the center, well, that might be the source of some of our conflicts, I suggest. Could we approach this Christmas postured to receive a new center? to be recentered again around what God has done in Jesus. There's so much that tries to make me the center of the story, so much that encourages us to organize our lives around our preferences, around our priorities. I mean, coming in from all sides, we're told, make sure you look out for you. Organize your life around what's comfortable, what you care about. Can we look together at Joseph and see through him a call to live in service of a greater center? The living one who became a little son, who came under the protection of this faithful man, and whose very salvation plan for the world 
looked to this man's faithfulness in order to be fulfilled? I think we can look to Joseph. I think today we should. We're invited to position ourselves like Joseph to receive with whatever that means. God's full story. To adopt with Joseph a posture of obedience in obscurity. For some of you, you've been serving in exactly that way, in a way that no one sees. Family members maybe who are hurting, friends who are ungrateful, aging parents who are tough to love, or maybe some hidden ministry to a neighbor or, or care for someone that no one knows, no one acknowledges it. Maybe you are stuck in a situation that, as I said earlier, is not, it seems like, not now at least, of your choosing. I'm here, that I'm stuck here, I don't know what to do, I can't get out. And you look at Joseph this morning and you see in him something that can reinvigorate you because you see in him a beautiful faithfulness and you're reminded, you're reminded of who's at the center. You're reminded of how we can choose to be faithful to the one who is at the center of this story. And through that, live faithfully in the places that we've been sent. And perhaps in this story today, you realize that you too can keep serving in obscurity because there is a God who sees you. He doesn't miss it. He can see what you're doing. I was reminded as I was reflecting on this, the, have you ever read the wonderful story called The Great Divorce? Sounds like a contradiction, I realize. But uh, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis is where people take a bus ride from hell up to heaven. Get a little tour. You should read it. But as this man is on his, he's, walk, he's doing his walkabout, he has a guide. Um, he looks up and he sees this incredible procession coming toward him. And there's, there's bright spirits and there's young men and young women and there's animals and, and there's a brightness uh, and there's a figure behind at the end of the procession and it's the coming of this wonderful person and he, he, he thinks, oh, this must be and it's on his lips to name some famous person, some well-known person, some, some person of great renown on earth and his guide says, oh, no, no, no. This is someone you never would have heard of. Because she loved the kids in her neighborhood. The cats and dogs around that needed to be fed. She kindly and in obscurity lived out the love of Jesus in ways that the world never saw. But then he says to him, but you remember the way fame is accounted up here is quite different than down there. And up here, she was this great lady wonderful to behold. And it's a reminder at this point of the story where those who have served in faithfulness, obedient in obscurity, it may be true that no one ever sees you. It may be true that no one ever lauds your commitment or ever even encourages you. It could be that you're stuck serving someone who is ungrateful, difficult, difficult, 
And I don't minimize that at all because some of you I know are stuck in awful situations. And living in, in obscurity and obedience is tough. But at this moment to realize there is one who sees you. There is one who lauds you. Father, who will reward. And it's a beautiful reminder. I hope it inspires you even as you look at the example of Joseph today. For others, this Advent posture might challenge you in a different way. You might realize this morning how much your life, let's be honest, has been revolving around you. And this Joseph story, there's something kind of irritating about it. Uh, kind of tilts you a little bit. Hits you kind of, you know, somebody, somebody accidentally whacks you on the side of the head and you weren't expecting it. That kind of experience, like, every, like you always want to have that when you come to church. But there's something about it that uh, bothers you because, yeah, there's a lot of flurry going on. There's a lot of stuff happening in my life. But could it be that it's all about me, all about my family, all about my stuff, all about what I want to be about? And there's something about the story of Joseph that, that invites me back to the center, but not so I can be in the center, but so I can start revolving around the one who is actually at the center. And there's some sort of provocative, bothersome challenge here that we're invited to start wrapping ourselves around the one who's at the center. And I just invite you, if you feel that irritation, don't ignore it. It's easy to do because, you know, once you get out of here this morning, even by the time you get to some good coffee at coffee time, you can numb that, by the way. You can ignore that, just like Joseph could have with that weird dream. I invite you not to. Take it with you and ask, is there a way that I need to be decentered so that I can start revolving again around the main story? the main one. I think Joseph's posture invites us into that as well. And in all of this, we see Jesus again. Because while from where we stand, we look at Jesus and say, well, he's at the very center of the story. When we show up here on Christmas Eve, there'll be a big white candle in the middle of that called the Christ candle. And it reminds us that everything is centered around him. That is true. But what's the story of Jesus? A willingness to humble himself, to become one of us. Talk about a decentering story. That the one who sits at the very center of our story decentered himself for us. That's the good news. He became one of us. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteous of God. It's like Jesus says, you decenter yourself and center yourself around me and you find the one who's actually decentered himself for you so that you can be part of the family of God, so you can be part of what he is doing. That's the one we worship. That's the one we serve. As we decenter ourselves and find ourselves revolving around the one who's at the very center, we realize there we find our true center. And we're the better for it. So wherever this story finds you on the fourth Sunday of Advent, I hope that you find in it inspiration and maybe provocation to respond like Joseph quickly, faithfully, obediently, because God is at work in this world.
Jesus the Messiah, born of Mary, come to set his people free. And what could be more important than that? What could be more central than the one who made and is now remaking it all? We know what Joseph said. No one. No one's more important than that. He said, I'm going to be faithful to the glory of one and express that through the care of those he's given to me. So I hope that we all can be challenged by that Advent posture. Let's pray. Let's pray as the team comes to lead us in a final song. Lord Jesus, to look at you and see that you were the one who left the glory of your Father's side to be one of us, taking unto yourself the pain and suffering, the sin and brokenness of our humanity to be for us what we could not be. We are grateful. And we look today and honor today the posture of our brother Joseph. And we ask that you would help us now here this Advent season to adopt, like Joseph, a kind of ready faithfulness, a kind of obedience and obscurity. That means we live our lives pursuing, centered around, living for your word, your work among us. May we as a church, may we as families, may we as individuals, May we who are still yet seeking and not yet decided about you, may each one of us this Advent find ourselves struck, called, provoked even, into a reorientation around you as our center. We pray this in the name of the one who has come, Jesus our Messiah. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.